Did you ever think you would make it? I feel I'm so close I could take sweet victory. I know this life meant for me. Yeah, why would you bet on Goliath when we got bet David? Value payment, giving values contagious. This world of entrepreneurs, we get no value to haters. How they run, homie, look what I become. I'm the, I'm the one. Okay, so today's guest, Sam Cedar. A lot of you guys were asking to have him on after we had uh, Kyle Kolinsky on, Pacman on, all these guys on. They said, why don't we get Sam on? Sam runs a show called The Majority Report uh, with Sam Cedar. He's got a, a big uh, YouTube channel, 1.2 million, uh, 2.4 million subscribers. We just found out he was a big banker at Goldman Sachs. Huge. Hardcore. <laughs> Huge. But he does have a bear. Uh, you, have, you do have a good story. Maybe you'll share that with the audience. What happened? We'll get into that here in a second. Sure. So thanks for being on the, on the podcast. Uh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me down here. So uh, uh, we got a lot of things going on right now. Just yesterday, if you just bought the Wall Street Journal uh, today, this is what the uh, opening story is on the cover of it. Fed boosts rates amid bank turmoil. Powell calls financial sector sound but stressed uh, uh, stresses oversight. The concern becomes whether, you know, they're saying they're going to protect depositors, what everybody's talking about, depositors, depositors, depositors. Will they protect the banks or not? We don't know. We'll talk about it. Maybe people will have some opinions on it. Sam, uh, if you don't mind, for the audience that doesn't know you, maybe share a little bit about your background. Uh, I am, uh, I've been doing uh, a podcast, YouTube, for, well, and I was the first in uh, AM talk radio starting about 18 years ago. Uh, prior to that, I was a... Uh, a writer, comedian, director in showbiz and sort of stumbled into uh, uh, talk radio uh, on Air America Radio uh, and grew up in Worcester, Mass. And that's, I like the Red Sox. How did that happen? How did it happen from going from acting, from comedy, from writing to... It was a total to fluke. A I mean, as a kid, I was involved in, in government. Like, I had uh, I, I did an internship in, in D.C. and in the, the Connecticut State House, and I was a government major, and I was involved in uh, municipal politics in Worcester, Mass., when I was in high school. But I also had a dual track of, like, doing sort of theatery stuff. And when I left, uh, I went to law school for a year, left to do comedy with a buddy of mine. And then about 14 years later, Janine Garofalo, who I was friends with, said she had this opportunity to do uh, political talk radio in the uh, run up to the 2004 election. And I just thought, I'll do it for six months um, and get back to, uh, to show business and... I enjoyed it, and uh, so and, uh, during that time, I got married, and uh, my wife got pregnant, and so I decided that's that's where I would what I would stay. I mean, I still did some show business stuff, probably as late as 2012, and I'm I'm still a voice on Bob's Burgers, which is a cartoon, but that is just sort of what are you doing, Bob's Burgers? I'm Hugo, I'm uh, uh, a couple of couple of characters. That's cool. Yeah. What's, what's a bigger passion, politics or entertainment? I mean, uh, they can kind of, uh, uh, you know, collide, but what's movies, shows, acting? Oh, I would or say more? politics are, are probably more of a, of a passion for me. I mean, you know, I had fun in the entertainment world, and I do have a little bit of, like I, I see with my friends who have all uh, been, not all, but many uh, very successful, and I like their lifestyle, but uh, I, I find politics more stimulating. And, and I, I interview a lot of, like, um, on my show— uh, policy experts, authors, uh, historians. And so it's like every day I get paid to come in and learn something new, and I like that. Did you ever have, like, I'm going to go into politics, or is it more, you know, doing a show? Uh, there were times where I thought about it. Uh, I mean, there were times where I thought about it as a kid, maybe. Not enough uh, money in it. What was the reasoning to say I'm not going to do it? Was it just like I'm, I'm more going to be from the outside than the inside? Uh, no, I, I think it was, you know, the, the, you know, I did a lot of like political stuff in college and I felt like on some level it was a little bit constraining, but there are times I've contemplated it. Since you're in politics pretty actively now on the political spectrum, where would you say that you identify not the current form of identification with the he, she, we, they, them, like political spectrum if there's a football field where do you stand like 50 yard line left right where do you where I, I'm you I'm definitely of the left without a how doubt. far left 
I, you know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, within are you, the context, are you in the red zone? Are you, are you near the goal line? Are you closer to the fifty? I, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't really think about it too much in those terms. To be honest with you, I mean, I think that like, uh, uh, I, I think a genuine socialist would say, I'm certainly not a socialist. Um, I don't know, uh, you know, but. Uh, I, I have no problem with how people identify me in that way. I mean, I, I'm really more interested in a set of policies and really ultimately just the outcome of what will create the best outcomes for the most amount of people. For me, that's and, – and, you know, there's a couple of different ways of saying that, but that's basically what it boils down to me. As a, as a kid, who was your guide? Like, if you were to say, this is the book that influenced me, this is the guy that I liked the way he spoke, you know, this is – the, the TV guy or the president or the politician or who, who was your guy? Uh, I would say uh, I was very moved by the autobiography of Walter Mondale. No, I'm joking. Mondale. Uh, <laughs> Uh, you're like, fiery I mean, guy. You like landslides, like, Sam? You know, I was a big, like, I really liked Clint Eastwood movies when I was a kid. I mean, I didn't really realize much about him, the person, but... I, I like those. I like the spaghetti westerns and stuff like that. But I, I, I guess what I'm asking is, you know, more because you said you were in politics in high school, like you were interested in government from earlier on. What was a source of inspiration? Was there somebody you looked up to? Was it kind of like, like if you and I were in high school together in tenth grade, who was Sam? Um, I, I, I think people thought I was a little bit nerdy. People thought you were a little nerdy. Yeah. Did yeah. they think you would go into Hollywood and act or no? Um, I got, uh, I think I got like voted class clown. Really? Yeah. That makes three of us. Yeah. Yeah. I think I did. Yeah. But I also, um, you know, I was, I was in, I was working for the Worcester Charter Commission at the time, which was starting to like reassess how they were going to apportion votes in the city. And so I don't know. I don't, I, I don't, I tend not to have like uh, heroes per se. I don't, I don't find that healthy. Really? No, I don't think so. I think people get too uh, caught up in the personalities of politicians and really sort of miss um, what 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 is actually going on. In, so in no my... heroes as a kid. You didn't have any heroes. You didn't like He Man. You didn't see, you know, Rocky. Well, Rocky would have been what nineteen. Uh, yeah, Rocky. When I was yeah, a kid, Rocky. I was a kid. Uh, yeah, you must have had Larry Bird on your list. Come on, Larry man. Bird. I mean, let's get uh, real well, here, I Sam. I mean, if we're gonna go sports, like Bird, I loved Bird, and uh, I was a fan of McHale and Parrish as well. I got very excited about um, Russ Francis on the Patriots. Uh, and Bobby Orr on in hockey, um, but you know I I remember uh, I'm not going to say his name, but I met a, uh, a guy I was a fan with on the Red Sox in person, and I was like, I, I wish I had met him, because in person I'm just not that impressed. I like what he does on the field. So does he kind of look like you? Who the the guy you're saying that. Uh... Because there's a Mets guy that looks like you. No, I don't, he was a, no, no, he didn't look like me. Okay, at all, got so. it. Because <laughs> I thought you were guy. talking about the the. Okay, anyways, no, very my, cool. So you my, I met my father that way. <laughs> Dad, that's what you. Very cool. So okay, that sounds good. Let's go into uh, uh, the the Silicon Valley Bank story. What what do you think is uh, going on there? And do you think it's the end of it? Obviously, yesterday Powell came out. A lot of people didn't think if he's going to increase interest rates or not. Right. You know, is this guy going to do it? Is he not going to do it? You know, it's not a good time to do it. Maybe take a break for a month or two. You know, we're seeing what happened with uh, Silicon Valley body, I don't know, 10-year bond for $100 billion at 1.7%, thinking they're going to make it, and then, bam, they have to sell that for some $20 billion. And, and you know, the, the depositors are afraid, those below a quarter million, which is a small percentage, whatever the number was, 3%, they're covered. But the ones above, everybody's coming and saying, we got to build the depositors out. What are your thoughts about what's going on with Silicon Valley? Um, well, there's a couple of different issues. I mean, and, and you can sort of go down the line. The, the, the biggest issue is, is that in 2017, uh, the Trump administration, the Republicans, and with some corporate Democrats as well, basically rolled back the regulations that were required for banks like SBV. It used to be if you had $50 billion worth of holdings as a bank, you were subject to the Dodd-Frank requirements about capital to keep the bank safe. Uh, and that would have also come along with like sort of <clears throat> subsidiary uh, uh, regulations and, and, and regulators being there to make sure that you can't make stupid decisions like that. I mean, they made some very stupid decisions 
that were uh, that, you know, uh, people involved in banking could take issue with, assuming that interest rates were always going to stay low, whatever. The point of regulations like that, where you take more or less a meat cleaver and you say is that people can make stupid decisions, but we're going to be here to protect the system and the depositors. The other thing that was going on there with with all the depositors had all this other money. This is a kickback situation. There's no doubt about it, right? Because you, you know, anybody with $251,000 cash knows that there is a $250,000 FDIC limit. Mm -hmm. And if you're putting half a million dollars in there or billions of dollars in there, you're getting something from the bank in return, which is low-cost business loans or like 0% mortgages. I'm sure you run into this. You put your money into some big, uh, uh, you know, uh, investment bank, you're getting kicked back. You're getting a 0% mortgage. So you go out, buy a $13 million house. You don't have to pay anything for that money. You keep your money in a CD and you're still, you're making money off of that $13 million house essentially that you bought. Yeah. Cause you've just got that money borrowed cheap. And if they're going to do that, I mean, look to each their own, if they're going to do that, they need to pay the consequences. They took a risk. I'm going to put my money in an uninsured uh, bank because I'm getting back all this like, you know, and sometimes I think it was like they did this with their businesses and then they get the personal mortgages, which is also, it's just a kickback. So I say we don't bail those people out because we have the rules and these are the rules. Now, a lot of these people are big names. They have the ability to go on to every show that exists on TV and whatnot and claim that this is going to be a systemic risk. But I don't believe that, frankly. Um, and so, you know, I, I think what we need to do, and nobody's talking about it, is put the regulations back. We have now proof that it's dangerous um, uh, to have rolled back the regulations on these mid-sized banks. And so, uh, you know, the, the deafening silence about it is amazing to me. So, Sam, let me ask you based on what you just said. So, you're, uh, so obviously, we know the guys below quarter million, they're covered. But it's a small percentage with Silicon Valley Bank. It's not like it's a big number. The people above quarter million, uh, with these guys that are coming out saying, "Hey, we gotta, you got, we gotta take care of these depositors because if we don't, you know, all these other smaller communities and regionals are gonna get hit. These twenty-seven regionals we have, one is gone now. It's twenty-six. They're gonna remove their money and they're gonna put it into big banks. This is one of the ways to nationalize it, and we're gonna go through only five banks and all this stuff. So the people above the quarter, you're straight up saying, if you had more than a quarter, a million, anything you had." Let's not back them up. Let's not protect them. They lost the money. I think there is that danger that you talk about, that there could be a run on these other banks. I think it's overstated, but um, I, I think there is a danger. And I think the way that you deal with that is you come out and you say, we're going to make sure that we're going to subject these 23 other mid-sized banks to the kind of regulation that we, uh, that we um, uh, impose upon the bigger banks so that the security you feel with those bigger banks, we're going to provide that security for you by, by regulating and making sure that they have the capital requirements that they need to protect your money. Okay, so then go to, if I give you like a, a cause of, a, to say it's this person's fault, let's go through rankings of it, okay? Below a quarter million, they obviously didn't do anything you know, wrong there. The guy's above a quarter million dollars in savings. Then you have the people that own shares in the company. They're shareholders of the company. Then you have employees that work for Silicon Valley Bank. Then you have the employees where the companies who banked with Silicon Valley Bank, where the payroll is stuck and they can't pay the payroll. Then you have the politicians coming up with the guidelines, the regulations. If you were to put the blame on those folks and who to take care of, who not to take care of, who would you put at the top? Who would you put at the bottom? Well, I, I, don't, I mean, I don't know how to apportion blame amongst those things, but I can tell you this. The, the but for uh, in that situation is clearly uh, the lack of regulation, right? I mean, I don't know who screwed up in, 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 in all of those different levels, but I know that if the regulation, if they were subject to those same capital requirements, none of that stuff would have happened in the first place. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of tough to debate that. Because uh, I've been in the insurance business for 20-some years, right? You don't see a lot of insurance companies going out of business because insurance companies' capital requirements are a lot higher than banks' requirements. Banks can be a little bit more. We saw what happened in 08 with the whole no income, no assets. Hey, Sam, how much money made last year? 
72 grand. Sam, one more time. How much money did you make last year? 72 grand. Sam, one more time. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. How much money did you make last year? Right. 158. Okay, great. <laughs> right. How, how much right. you have in a bank, Sammy? Right. I got $28,000 in a bank. One more time. How much you have in a bank? 380. Perfect. No income, right. no assets. Right. And then boom. The ninja loans. Ninja right. loans. Yeah. Right. Everybody takes it. So there's a part of that that um, I agree with. The whole ninja loan, you know, it was never supposed to be for uh, low and middle income families. The ninja loan, if I recall, came from Australian bank. It was something they were using and we brought it to the States and it was supposed to be more for like the, you know, well, the clients at the Goldman and the, yeah, the higher. Like, and, and then mean, they said, let's launch this to everybody out there in the streets. Yeah, and that's I mean, where they took you, a you hit. Know, you're, you're a bank loan officer, right? Like, I mean, there was a fiduciary responsibility yeah. by the person in the, in that s- scenario there who kept saying, like, you know, put the number yeah. up. Because I, you know, I, I come in for a mortgage. I don't know. I don't. I mean, I'm no. not. I'm not a financial whiz. You, you know who we had here on the podcast uh, four months ago? Very uncomfortable podcast. Uh, it was with the former CEO of Wamu. I don't know if you remember Wamu, Washington Mutual. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh yeah. Horrible. And that, that that thing was a behemoth of a bank, right? Yeah, Three hundred thirty well, billion dollars. I think, as far as I. Well, we we had Kerry uh, uh, Killinger. By the way, he was kind enough to come mm-hmm. in. I didn't know what he thought we were going to talk about. I banked with Wamu for years, and I. Loved Wamu. I thought it was a phenomenal experience. You'd go there, you know, uh, the customer service, the way you would feel like you're not at a bank. There's not a window where you feel like, hey, you can't shoot us. Everybody was open. There was a relationship thing that was going on. I said, what caused this? You know, why, why get so reckless about it? Why? What made you think some of these things you were doing with the amount of money that you had were you ended up selling it for Chase? So I guess, to, I don't, and I don't know how much you follow uh, the stories. Obviously, you're a guy that's been following every story every day because this is what you do for a living. What have we learned from 08 that we're not repeating today? Maybe even the way Janet Yellen and the Fed is handling the bailout model. They're calling a different thing. What's different about it today than it was in 08 in your eyes? Well, I mean, the situation is very different, too. I mean, I think, you know, the, the, the amount of leverage that we're talking about in the system is just not nearly the same. And a lot of those, a lot, you know, Dodd-Frank uh, eliminated a lot of the more risky uh, stuff. But, you know, again... We, I can tell you, more importantly, what we didn't learn is when we rolled back those regulations. The, you know, like uh, I, you and I, we could we could go through that whole thing. We could spend six months examining every aspect of what what happened there. And we might come up with a different, uh, you know, who was really responsible yeah. or there could be shared responsibility. But the bottom line, this is why you need regulation. Just like you said, in the insurance industry, you have the, a tighter regulation on this stuff. You don't allow for people to come in and play fast and loose with all this stuff to gamble like they're at the, the racetrack and, and then come for a bailout from us. Because, look, the bottom line is I know it comes from FDIC fees, but who's going to get those fees? It's going to be – and actually – The fees that are going to be imposed upon people to bail out guys like David Sachs and all these other like, uh, uh, you know, uh, right wing so-called libertarian. They're suddenly libertarians looking for the government handout. But the people who are going to be paying off these fees more than anybody else are lower income people because they are stickier with banks. They don't have the opportunity to go around. They don't have the time. They don't have the inclination, the savvy to go around and shop around banks where they're going to get lower fees. Maybe they don't have the same amount of deposits in there, so they're not going to be. So that's who's going to get stuck with this bill. I, I want to continue with this, but let me go to our sponsors real quick, okay? And this is so interesting with the sponsor. Obviously, with all this stuff that's going on, uh, uh, I've been in the financial industry now for 22, 23 years. 
And for the longest time, I was very skeptical about alternative investments. I was like, no, straight stocks, real estate, this is kind of what you look at. And you saw the last few years, more and more people are looking at alternative investments. Masterworks, what it does is it allows you to buy shares in high-end art. Maybe you can't buy $5 million Banksy or a Picasso painting, but you can buy a share into it. They're they're allowing uh, folks to do this, like blue-chip art to invest into. Uh, uh, I think when you look at the numbers last year, art prices rose on average 29% per uh, Barron's, uh, uh, everything you do with these guys has gone through the SEC and it's broken into shares. So it's the same exact way you buy stocks as you do through Masterworks. If this is of interest to you and you have a small percentage of your portfolio you want to put and consider into alternative investments, you may want to look into Masterworks. Rob, if we can put the link below uh, their website. Let me read their website, what we have here. Masterworks.art forward slash PBD podcast. One more time, masterworks.art forward slash PBD podcast, but we'll also put the link below for you to join. So let's go back to this on what we can find the fault with. We can say, you know, we need more regulation is what we need. We can say, you know, it's it's the greedy banker's fault. You know, we can say, hey, why are you being so reckless? You're putting all your money in the bank. You should never put all your money in the bank, right? You got to kind of diversify and put a little bit more money in the bank. Well, there's also something called sweeps, and everybody who's involved in a business knows this. I'm sure you know this that there are third parties out there who will distribute those $250,000. They, they had those money there for a reason. And that, I think it was kickbacks. I think it's probably going to come out in a couple of months after more investigation. But again, we don't have to, di- we don't have to uh, spend our time worrying about who's to blame of those individuals. Maybe they all are. No, this is where I was going. Oh. How old were you when you bought your first house? Do you remember? I was, let's see, it was in 98. Okay, so you got 20, 20, 26 like years old. 25, yeah, Perfect, 25. so 25 years old. What was the interest rate when you got in 98? Do you remember? God, no. Was it I was, above I was five, above six? I, I was an actor. I didn't, I just, you know, I had a business manager at the time. I was making a lot of money. I was just <laughs> okay, like, so just you were living here, the Sam. dream. Don't, yeah. Exactly. But, don't but worry about the interest rate. Can you rate, go buddy. to 1998, average 30-year mortgage? I don't know. Let's just Google it and see what the number was. I imagine it was probably around six. Probably similar six. to what it is That's now, what I'm thinking. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to see what it was. Okay, 6.91. Yeah, very similar There you go. Okay, 6.91. By the way, I think that's where it needs to be for about a decade. I think the number needs to be there. And if you ask me, quite if you ask me, uh, I think we need to go a little bit more old school in the way we buy stuff, right? Meaning, how much down payment you got? I got this much down payment. Great. You know, and now you may disagree with that and say that's not going to be fair to low and middle income families. But I think there's part of it also the guidelines to buy stuff has decreased. The guidelines to lend out money has decreased. You know, money became so cheap for such a long time where people were going out to getting money left and right. What are your thoughts on well, that? Well, I know on mortgages, no, it's a lot stricter than it was, let's say, uh, 15, 20 years ago. I mean, it's much harder. You, you need to provide much more documentation, and, and, and the, the loan companies are far more stricter. I mean, they're not quite where they were in the wake of the financial crisis, but they're still pretty tight. I mean, the, the problem I have with the, with the raising of the interest rates is basically what Jerome Powell says every time he does it, which is we need to get more people unemployed. And that's, I mean, in, in, look, we can argue as to whether uh, the, the, the Fed has the tools it needs to fight inflation in this instance. I happen to think, I happen to, uh, you know, uh, I, I don't even know if I, I agree so much or, or just like the Fed itself says that uh, the inflation that we went through, only about 30% of it was a function of demand, right? The other, uh, you had uh, a significant portion of it was a function of logistics and like mismatch uh, products and, and this and that with because of COVID, right? It wasn't a question that we didn't have the productivity uh, or the capacity uh, to meet uh, demand. It was just that it was mismatched for a long time. You're sending shipping containers to places you had never sent it before. To get them back is a lot more expensive. These things are starting to work through the system. Wages contribute a little bit because there has been some wage growth for the first time in decades, essentially. A lot of it is also uh, uh, maybe the plurality of it. This is based upon the Fed uh, numbers is basically just the uh, corporation seeing the opportunity to raise these rates. And so the Fed comes in, they have one tool to deal with inflation, 
And that is, you know, they're a hammer, except for I'm arguing that it's not a it's not a nail that they're hitting. It's a screw. And they're doing this, in my estimation, as a way of weakening labor. They are going to kick a million people. How would you do it? How would I do it? Well, I would deal with it fiscally or I would just wait. I would wait because you're starting to see the trends all move in the right direction in terms of inflation. And I would wait. Um, and and so you if, wouldn't have raised uh, the the. I would have probably done maybe half of what they'd done. Maybe so two and a half, whatever the number is. Yeah. you mean it. the most re- recent? No, no, no. Hike? He's no, saying today, like the whole whatever's happened. I mean, they, I mean, look at it today, right? Like they're worried about the banks. At the same time, they're like desperate to like we need to we need to kick a million, two million, three million people out of work. That I mean, they're explicitly saying this, and so uh, uh, you know. I, I, I'm, it, that does not make sense to me. Sam, a guy here, Scott Rodriguez, just said, sorry, but 80% of the loans given the last three years only required 5% down payment. It was much harder to get a loan in the 90s. In, 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 in terms of mortgages? Yeah. It's conceivable that it was harder to get a loan in the 90s. I'm comparing it to, like, the aughts. Um, but I can tell you, I mean, like, I, I have some very close— Do you think uh, it's right. better? Do you think it's a better guideline to put a minimum 25% for anybody to buy a loan or no 5% down payment is fine? I mean, I think—I I, I don't know if the, the number is 10% or 20%. I'd have to, like, read in to see, you know, where we're talking about foreclosures. But we're not having a foreclosure problem right now. Not yet. Now, not yet, yeah. because if he keeps raising the interest rates yeah. and decreasing the value of homes— uh, at this type of rapidity, you know, uh, rapid rate, we might. Right. But, uh, you know, the way you avoid that is don't do that. So let me read this about what happened. Uh, this is an insider story. The Fed may provide as much as a tr- $2 trillion in liquidity relief for banks after Silicon Valley collapse, J.P. Morgan says. Uh, the ch- uh, Chase estimates that the Federal Reserve may need to inject $2 trillion into the U.S. banking system after the collapse for, uh, of three lenders last week. This would help prevent a run on deposits and address uh, the scarcity issue in the U.S. banking caused by the U.S. Fed uh, monetary policy. The Fed's bank term funding program, the BTFP, is an emergency loan mechanism that will allow banks to obtain liquidity by putting up their bond holdings as collateral. The Fed will accept the bonds at face value instead of their current market value. Uh, has not been qualified by the Fed yet, but it is accepted, uh, expected to be significant enough to cover all uninsured deposits. In the U.S., J.P. Morgan estimates that this is going to be around $7 trillion dollars but suggest that the five largest banks are unlikely to use the program, which would bring the actual amount the Fed provides to closer to $2 trillion. Does why this sound those, like a bailout to why you? Are, yeah, of course okay. it does. Why are those big five banks not taking the money? Because they have been subjected to the Dodd-Frank regulations, and they haven't been able to get themselves in this type of situation. So to be clear, the Fed's raising rates this fast yeah. explicitly to make more people unemployed in this country. Explicitly to do that. That's explicitly their goal. Well, I, their goal is to reduce inflation. That's They're, their first goal. No, that's no, a byproduct. No, no, that, no, no. Look, it's not a byproduct any more than me like taking my hammer, slamming it on your hand and saying, Bo- oh, it's both a byproduct that it hurt Both of hand. you are right, but Powell, when he was asked, if you remember the hearing, when he was asked, he says, you realize, and I think it was Kennedy that asked him, Senator Kennedy that said, hey, you realize what you're doing is to fix the economy, you have to lower the unemployment. And then what did he say? Powell said, that could be a cause of it, but that's not why we're doing it. He says, no, no, that's why you're doing it. And I know you're not a Kennedy guy because he's a Republican side, but he's like, no, no, that's exactly what you're doing. Well, everybody knows it. I mean, it doesn't matter. Republican and Democrat. Anybody who's honest knows exactly that's what the plan is. But do you Um, really think that's the plan? Do you really think the plan— That's explicitly the plan. I think think he said today, by the end of 2023, we need to have a million people out out of work. I mean— Why would they do that if they know it's going to hurt the economy? Why, it, they, because they they have one tool to deal with inflation, and that is to raise interest rates as a way of cooling the economy and cooling the economy. And, and frankly, I mean, this is the charitable view. I'm, I'm articulating the charitable yeah. view. And to cool the economy means as a byproduct uh, that you're going to kick uh, people out of work. In my estimation, this is the first time we've seen any type of wage growth in decades, in decades, right? The, 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 the wages versus productivity has been out of sync for decades. And I think, frankly, uh, the, people don't want labor 
to have any power. You're seeing increased unionization. You're seeing increased work action. You're seeing people saying, like, you, you know, I don't want to work in the... Yes, I definitely You really think... You think Powell's playing politics in, in increasing interest This is not rate? politics. This no, is... But it is, though. Union is a form of... If you, your policies... Powell is one of the most powerful men in the world today. You know that. I know that, yep. right? So when he moves the... Uh, uh, he's controlling one of the most important knobs, right? Which is the rates. Without it's, a doubt. Yeah. So, but I'm trying to think myself. Like, I'm trying to sit there and say, okay, you know, when they gave $1.7 trillion in, uh, you know, uh, relief, hey, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. Or during COVID, hey, we're going to give $2.1 trillion, we're going to send people this much of money, this, this, that. Hey, are they, all they're trying to do is they're going to, they're trying to get people not to work, right? That's what they're trying to do. Are they really, or were they doing it because they're like, dude, I'm not letting you work from home, so I have to send some money to you if you're getting unemployed. And I just laid off how many people at the restaurant were, uh, uh, restaurants were crushed by uh, COVID. Well, I got to kind of take care of you. But then what happened with the money? The money went into the rich because, you know, the low-income, middle-income doesn't know how to save money. And they spend the money. They're trying to make ends meet. So sometimes you think from the policies and you say, oh, they're trying to do something really bad. You think Powell has negative intentions, or well, he just sees he this sees as a? I don't. I, I don't. I don't think. I don't. I don't think any of this. I have a different perspective on how all this works. I don't think that Powell is sitting there going like it's going to negative. I just don't think that these people care. I mean, how do look? How, look, we attacked Iraq, right? Twenty-year mm-hmm. anniversary mm-hmm. yesterday or two days ago. By anybody's estimates, we killed hundreds, if not hundreds upon hundreds of thousands of innocent civilians. Why? At this point, this story, we both aren't the same page on. We right, know why. Right, exactly. Yeah. But, but how is it that that decision was made? They don't care about hu- that human loss. And I don't think, Powell, at the end of the day really cares enough about the immiseration of millions of people. He thinks the most important thing for the stability of society is to save the bankers. Sam, do you think I just disagree? Sam, do you think do you think it was healthy for us to go on a hundred and twenty-eight month economic expansion only to be disrupted by COVID? It would have continued into hundred you think it was healthy to have interest rates as low as we did for over 10 years? I mean, I think there's an argument that you could have crept them up, uh, you know, uh, slowly, you know, up a couple of percentage points. But but, you but I was also told, listen, in the aughts, when I started this job. You know, you sound like doing, a capitalist if you defend that. Well, I don't care what I sound like. I, I mean, when uh, during uh, during the, the aughts, I was told that the, the lowest rate of unemployment we can have in this country is 6%. If we have it lower than that, then the whole thing falls apart. Yeah. You remember that? Of course. We were told yeah. that was the absolute, like n- nature only allows that. And then all of a sudden that we can have uh, more unemployment. I mean, uh, less in- unemployment. We can have 3%. I mean, they, they there, we are presented by, uh, you know, the, these powers, um, ideas that happen that, that, that basically they're in a closed loop with just other people who have power and money and have decided that this is just sort of the natural state of being. And it's not. I, I just I, I just disagree but with that me, premise. Okay, so but let me go back to this. It's very important. I want to make this point. Uh, I want to ask you this. 128-month expansion, is it fair to say during that period when rates were as low as they were, they benefited capitalists? They benefited, uh, someone's phone is, uh, uh, if you get put such a phone aside from the mic, yeah. You know, it, it's typically Verizon. Whoever's Verizon, AT&T doesn't do it, it's only I Verizon. But, you know, it's, it's I get th- that, benefited, that benefited the capitalist because money was cheaper, right? So to argue your argument saying, well, a true socialist would say, I'm not a socialist, but I'm on the left. You're not for, <clears throat> you know, making it that easy for those guys, right? So... Money was well, so freaking cheap for so long that we have to pay a price for it. And now you're looking at the economy. It looked like everything was good, but a big part of it was fake, Sam. We had a lot of fake success the last few years. Well, I mean, look, I, I'm just measuring on, again, my, my, the way I view things is what's going to make uh, things better for the most amount of people. 
And in terms of like, you know, it being in favor of the capitalists, uh, I would also change our tax policy. So, I mean, I would claw some of that back, uh, quite a bit of it back. What would you do? Uh, I would return to the tax policy when we had the greatest, sort of the widest um, uh, economic expansion shared by more people as a percentage of our population than any other time in this country, which was in the 50s and the 60s. And I would return to the tax rates more or less there. So your your top tax rate at that time was 90% top marginal rate for every dollar over $470,000 you would earn. So that would be equivalent to around $3 million today. I think we should return to that type of tax tax. You want it to go as high as 90% at the top marginal tax rate? At the top rate? marginal tax rate. So understand, like you that only kicks in with every dollar above three million. I hear you. And yeah. I mean that's the famous Reagan situation where I think it was over anything over two hundred thousand dollars at that point. This might have been in the forties, that he would only do two movies a year because he'd get paid a hundred grand per movie and then he wouldn't even do a third movie because he would only get ten percent of the revenue because he and he's like fuck it I'm not doing another movie yeah so wouldn't Reagan, that curb Reagan, that when curb? Reagan started telling that story yep. you know who he was working for when he started telling that story right he was going around I think GE. it was for working for GE trying to convince people not to get Medicare for all I mean if Reagan could have gotten three movies five movies he would have done it he was working with chimps he would have been happy to do that for his career believe me <laughs> so believe me you what's the top t marginal tax rate right now. 39%? What is I it think right it's now? 37, 39%. So I, I, will, I will say this, though, just to yeah. finish up that Reagan story. I will say this to you. Uh, uh, I remember being in L.A. and taxes, top line had hit whatever the all-in was, 57 and a half. I don't know what the number was. Around 57 and a half. You, uh, you, no, you live in Brooklyn. Uh, so 57 and a half percent. People are like, what the hell is going on here? There was this girl who was a top realtor in the San Fernando Valley area, one of the top realtors. Her picture was on all the benches. Everywhere you would go, you would see her. And she was one of the realtors making very good money. She's making half a million dollar year income, doing good for herself, whatever the number was, $400,000, $500,000. One day, uh, I stopped seeing her pictures on the, uh, the, the seats. And I'm at Wood Ranch with my wife. And I said, hey, uh, are you, you're the girl, right? She says, yeah, I am. She's with her husband and her two kids. I said, what happened? We haven't seen you lately. She says, it's so funny you ask. My husband and I made a decision that the moment taxes got so high, it was more important for me to be a stay home. It wasn't worth me working to pay this much in taxes. So, so there's a part of what he's saying. Yeah, whatever, whether he's going to do the movie. I think that's great. No, I guess, I guess there's a part of it that kind of incentive needs is, to be there. America would not have suffered by the lack of Ronald Reagan movies. And I would <laughs> okay, also argue. I would I also no, but no, but I would yeah. also argue that like I bet you, I guarantee you, there was no less houses that sold because. That one particular broker stopped selling houses at a certain point. So go to, go to it. So right now, you're I don't think that's a problem. To, I really don't. I mean, I think to raise it to ninety percent. Yeah, no, I don't think. I think top line. You know, what you're talking plus. about is sort of the Laffer curve, actually, right? Yeah. You know the you Laffer love the Laffer curve. curve. You you're well, a big fan of it, apparently. I'll, I'll tell you what I love about the yeah. Laffer curve is that we had a perfect example of we had a almost like a perfect model of what happens with the Laffer curve. Right. Like the Laffer curve argues that the higher the tax rate goes, the less inclined people are going to be to generate income. And then uh, because they're generating less money, there's going to be less tax receipts collected by the government. Art Laffer was uh, Sam Brownback's number one advisor in Kansas. Do you remember this when Brownback became governor? He basically gave over his entire tax structure to Art Laffer. They had such a, it destroyed the tax base in Kansas. It ended up destroying their entire education system. They had an amazing Kansas University. Brownback gets plucked out of Kansas and literally sent to be ambassador to Ether. You know what? They made him ambassador to faith because they didn't want this guy around at all. The Republican-controlled uh, Kansas legislature raised taxes back up yeah. because it had destroyed their tax receipts. That, the theory may sound good, but it doesn't work in practice. So are you on YouTube and Rumble or just YouTube? I'm on YouTube. I think we put it on Rumble. I think we're okay, also cool. on Twitch. and I All over the place. Okay, so yeah. let me ask you this question. Uh, if YouTube took their AdSense from 55 to 15, would you continue creating content? 
Yeah. You sure? Sure. You'd continue creating content. I wasn't doing YouTube for a long time. How do you make a living today? I have membership. Uh, I have membership that people uh, pay. I get ad revenue from different places. Okay, so let's just say the membership that you get from Patreon or whoever it is, okay? What if their fees went from them keeping 5% to 60% to 90%? Would you continue creating content? I mean, I... I, I I would I would probably have to uh, cut back if there was that exactly well but that's only because it's such a big change no uh, because in, that's the that's the part about incentive Sam so your audience gets no, to no, enjoy no, no. you uh, I'm not saying we'll cut the revenue for these businesses I'm saying that the amount of you have no choice though because you're paying these guys you no, need no, the no, revenue no, no 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 I'm not suggesting we cut revenue for businesses what I am suggesting is after that revenue comes in. Mm -hmm. And we divvy up and I have my net profits, then my taxes would go up. But I will say this, like if let's say my, the taxes went up yeah. on me personally, would I would I stop uh, going on YouTube? No. So would you be able to scale it at the how many employees you got working for you right now? I'm not talking about cutting revenue. I though. get that. How many employees are you working uh, are working for you right now? Uh, we have payroll, I think like six or seven. Okay, people. you got six or that's a small business you got there, right? Sure. Six or seven people. Okay. If all of a sudden uh, AdSense went up, the fees for your Patreon, I keep—I don't want to offend you when I say Patreon. I don't know who you use. Whoever you use that's got your membership stuff that, that you got. We use Fans FM. Okay, there you go. That's a shout out to them. So Fans FM. Right fans FM? Fans.FM. It's actually fans. a great service. Okay, fantastic. So if they raise take it. take less than Patreon. If they take 50%, all of a sudden, and they, they say YouTube says AdSense goes to 15%, would you be able to employ those six people? No, if my if my well, I don't know, but but probably maybe that's because you're rich. No, 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 the, no, no, how, probably probably not. But 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 in, I'm not suggesting that we cut revenue for businesses. I'm suggesting that what is left over from revenue, if it if it's over three million dollars that goes into the pocket of the owner of this enterprise, that. That three hundred and million and one dollar yeah. gets taxed. Let's at have 90, fun with this. 90, let's, let's, 90 have fun cents. With, let's have fun with this. So here, here's a question for you, uh, and and I kind of know what your answer. And I want to be. be clear on something. Yeah, I'm doing this. I I subscribe to this yeah. not because I think that we need the money or that this is going to you know be a panacea in terms of like how we would spend this money. Yeah. yeah. But I see in this country a massive problem with wealth inequality and the commensurate uh, political inequality that comes with it. We have wealth inequality in this country like we've never had I before. Don't, I don't disagree. So, so there's not a disagreement there. But the solution is where we're going to disagree. So let's kind of process that together. Okay. So you know the whole thing, like I remember when I first got out of the military and I went into the financial industry, it's 1999. I know nothing. It's 2000. I know nothing about it. The speaker gets up. Well, have you been noticing that the rich keep getting richer and the poor keep getting poor? I'm like, okay. My dad's at a cashier at a 99 cent store 15 years. My parents got divorced twice. I hope you said I'm to an, that guy, you ain't guy. seen nothing yet. Yeah. Wait to 20 but, but years you're from right, now. It's going to be completely out but, of control. But you're right, though. But, but why is the question? So here's a question for you. So you're saying above $3 million, you know, that money that the owner is going to keep, we got in tax on 90%. Fine. Okay. So- you believe the money, like when I was in the military, you would buy a product for the Humvees, and they would say, yeah, you know, we pay $600 for this piece. We're like, dude, this piece is 40 bucks. Right. Why the hell are we paying $600 for? Well, you know, the contracts, you know how they are, man. The government always pays a lot because they're dumb. They always pay more than it's usually worth. A $40 piece for a Hummer, they're paying $600. I'm like, that's an awesome business for the other guy. Yeah, we have we have horrible oversight in but, the military. But, the, but this is the point, though. This is the point. And I want to actually sincerely get your thoughts on this, on how we address this. So if if somebody overpays for a product, that person's either got to be fired or they're an overspender or a terrible negotiator. But it's one of the three, right? Okay. So you feel money going to the government we do more good with or money staying in the free market for people to produce more value? Where do you feel values produce more? Well, I'm not. I mean, I, I, I'm not sure I fully get what you're saying. But I let me put it in this way. It's a very serious, simple <laughs> okay. question. Well, let, let me, I, I let want me it use, to be let clear. Me, let so. me make it a little bit more concrete. Yeah. So, 
you guys know that the biggest part of the budget, more or less, is uh, Social Security and Medicare, right? right. And Medicaid, I mean, yeah. And, and, and Medicaid. Entitlement programs. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you can call them entitlement programs. They are. I, I call them social insurance um, uh, programs. Tomato, that's, tomato. That's, that's, that's what they really are. That's I mean, 90% the, of the budget, I want to say. No, uh, the military is is uh, about $850 billion. Social Security is like $1.7 trillion. I think uh, Medicare is probably Can close to like seven hundred billion, it's about 60%. and then there's other. So, but Way but more. it's a high number. It's no. a big number. You're right. It's you'll a find, high number. You'll find that that's. It's. I think we're, our our annual budget is somewhere around like two point seven trillion, and and the military is like eight hundred eight hundred billion nine hundred billion, you know that that you can see anyways that they show it. Sure. Yeah, but um, uh, but nevertheless, Social Security, Medicare, the two biggest things that the government mm-hmm. does are wildly popular. Medicare, you come from the insurance business, you probably know this, to administer health insurance, there's like 13, 15% cost in the administration of that health insurance. For Medicare, 3%. Far more efficient. Far more efficient. And co-pays are less. I mean, and... Uh, the and the uh, the the whatever you want to call it consumer satisfaction. I don't like to think of citizens as consumers, but the satisfaction's huge through the roof. Particularly when people use it. It's even it's uh, people appreciate it who don't use it. You know, if I got my parents there on Medicare, I'm pretty psyched about it because I don't have to take care of them. Uh, my mother's in a nursing home now. It's Medicaid that's doing that. I, I'm not responsible for that cost. Social Security, through the roof. In fact, I think even Republicans, I think even a majority of Republicans want to expand but, but Social popular, Security. popular is not a way to qualify something. If I, if no, I went out I mean, there and I gave, satisfaction. if I went to high school and I said, guys, I'm giving dime bags of, to everybody weed, I'd be a very popular kind of <laughs> high school. So well, that is a wrong way to qualify. Well, a, you said efficiency. Yeah. Medicare, 3% right. administrative costs yeah, versus 15%. That's like the, the kid that's running for class president who's like, every Friday we're throwing a pizza yeah. party. Yeah. Well, He's going to get everybody's vote. If but who's provide, paying for the pizza party? Say? Well, workers. In fact, I would argue that we should be actually ex- removing the cap on Social Security taxes. Because right now, you know, it goes only up to $160,000, right? There's a cap. Traditionally, Social Security has captured or touched... 91% of the country's income. You follow me? And now it's somewhere down in like the mid-80s because of wealth yeah, inequality. Yeah, but your argument on the, on the flip side of it, the argument can be as well to say, well, at the beginning when they came out with Social Security, there was only a few thousand people in America that was actually using it. It was not meant to be for as big of a behemoth of what kidding? it is today. No, that's it kept true. two-thirds of our, of our elderly out of poverty. It keeps two-thirds I, I of our elderly out of poverty. Nobody's arguing not, the nobody, benefits uh, That's of not the Security. argument, though. That's not the argument. The argument is, originally, when it came out, it wasn't for well, the bigger percentage. You had to wait. You had to no, wait until no, you no, build no, up No, the funds. you didn't have to. You had to have capitalist work and overtax them to be able to fund it. That's what you had to do. But let me go back to the question. I think question. what you are saying, just to validate your point, I think at that point, this is FDR back in yeah, the Yeah, we can pull up the data. That's I think not there was a, 40 workers for every retiree. I think now it's closer to like three workers. Yeah, it's not sustainable. Yes, not close. No, no, no. It is sustainable. You, you think it's sustainable. No, no. I don't it's think it's sustainable. sustainable. The, I'm looking at the, the Social the, Security the, the Trust Fund actuarial With tables. the letter, when they sent you, when they sent you this, in the Social Security letter, they're telling you if we go this way, this is going to go bankrupt. No, in the no, letter. no, no, no. You're misreading it. The trust fund is going to go bankrupt. In 1981, Greenspan and Reagan expanded the trust fund. We had a surge of baby boomers. There is a trust fund that exists that is essentially like a rainy day fund. That is going to go, that is going to be insolvent around 3033. 2033. 2033. No, no, sorry. 2030. 10 years. 10, 10, you are correct. I yes. just had this conversation yes. this yes. past week. However, that's not a concern. However, that's not a however, concern. However, that's not a concern. It is, it is a concern. It will cause did, 20% in cuts to right. our benefits. Okay. But that's it, period. Now, the way that we can get rid of that 20% in cuts in this Social Security Trust Fund is to do what I'm suggesting remove the cap so that every dollar you make. Even above one hundred and sixty thousand yeah, dollars is taxed by Social Security, so and then your kids yeah. will be long dead before that well, trust I'm fund is out. Hopefully, if I raise my kids right, my kids won't need to be supported by the government. If they don't need to be, yeah. uh, if they don't so, need that social insurance, yeah. look, I mean, how can you, as an insurance guy, how can you not understand this? No, no, I, I, I don't I, sit around saying like, 
you know, I hope that I don't need my uh, fire insurance. I hope I don't. If your kids don't need Social Security, yeah. old age insurance, but, but I, but then I, you know what? But I we also, will tax the money back. I am, I am better for society. I am better for society if I find ways to get people off of needing any of this stuff than to rely on it more and more and more because I'm truly hurting those who are creating commerce. That's who I'm hurting. But let me go back to my Hold question. Hold on for one second. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. We had an experiment with this. Wait a minute. Let me, let me ask the question Security for you. Let me ask the question. You still haven't answered my question for me. No, no, wait. I'm 401ks I'm, with a private solution. You still haven't answered mm -hmm. my question. Let me go back to the question to you. So okay. My question at the beginning, you have not yet answered, okay? okay? When you said, you know, I would go back to the old tax system and I would take you to the 50s and 60s where we had a 90% time, da, 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 okay. And I asked you a question. I said, who do you think produces more value? I gave the example of the Humvee, the pieces in the Army, how much we were paying, $600, but the piece was only $40. And the government tends to overspend because they're reckless spending. They don't really, they're not really held accountable. Does money going in free market create more value or money going to the government create more value for people? Explain to me what you mean by value. Okay, so value to me is, uh, you know, if if I can if I can give money to free market and lower taxes where they can go create more jobs more opportunities, is that better for us long term or is it better for us to raise taxes to take away incentives and give that money tax money goes to politicians to make decisions what to do with the money? Are politicians better at making decisions on what to do with our money or are we? Um, I, I mean, I guess unlike uh, in a broad way, I would say if we're going to look at the biggest chunk of money in the government mm -hmm. to make this assessment, right, $1.7 trillion, Social Security, and we can compare it to the one sort of like comparable thing in the private, in the private sector, and that's a 401k. I would have to say, I mean, just based upon your, the way you've set up this question, that obviously the government, because Social Security has been the single most effective program that we have in this country. It has kept uh, two-thirds of our senior citizens out of poverty as a social insurance program. 401ks have been a disaster. They've been a disaster. Just Google right there in front of you the 401k experiment. People took the money out. I mean, and grant you, like, you know, you can make an assessment that these individuals were stupid or immoral or whatever it is. I'm looking at the goal of keeping senior citizens out of poverty, the government has been able to do that far more effectively. Two-thirds of our seniors are in nursing homes because the government is paying for it. You can look around at anything that doesn't involve a profit uh, motive. Like, for instance, the post office. If we didn't have a, a, a government-run post office, do you think you could live in, you know, the, the the most rural parts of the country and get postal service for 42 cents you can, or 48 cents you can send a letter no way what what person looking to make a profit would do that in fact i've got a great example this is you know i was doing radio during katrina and there was a story that haunted me for years and years the uh when when Bill Clinton, I'm not a huge fan of Bill Clinton's uh, uh, administration, frankly, but one of the things he did do well was to build up FEMA. I guess having come from Arkansas, he had a pretty good sense of what was important there. And Bush, when he came in, very early on privatized a ton of it. There was a story, it was a very small story, um, in New Orleans. The buses that were supposed to come to New Orleans to evacuate people before Katrina hit, there was a whole ton of buses that was that went through three different contractors, right? There was like a general contractor and then a subcontractor and then the subcontractor was going to bring the buses. They were from like three or four hours away. And uh, maybe, maybe it was six hours. I can't remember the, the exact details. They were going to send the buses, but the, the guy whose job it was, who owns the bus company, and then the, the contractor above that, they waited longer because if you send the buses and they're not used, they're going to eat that cost, right? They're going to, it's going to cut into their profits. They didn't send the buses. They didn't get there in time. People couldn't get evacuated. Would it have changed the trajectory of the thing? I doubt it, but it would have saved some people. And the point is that there are some jobs that the government does better because the value there is not measured in terms of actual sheer dollars. It is measured in, you know, essentially how much immiseration are you inhibiting people from suffering? And so 
I, you know, like, yes, I agree that when it comes to auditing in the military, worst, the worst government agency we have, because it's very easy, very hard to sort of like scrutinize the military. Uh, people don't like that. And it's also a, a huge power base of a lot of money. They make a, a ton of money out of this. I agree with that. But, same with but insurance. if you look at Medicare, Social Security, with- well, listen. The, the numbers don't lie. Three percent administrative yeah. costs for Medicare. I just, can I just make? A, I, I I appreciate some of the points you're making. I do think that you're kind of conflating a couple different things. I think to Pat's question, whether the government is better at spending your money or whether the private markets or private companies are better, it's not even close. If private companies well, what do you mean ran by spending money me, like to finish, buy like soda or to actually like just direct it in a way that that keeps less people from suffering. Okay, we have thirty one trillion dollars in debt right now. I think that's evidence enough, Sam, that we're not so good at spending money here in America. Sounds like politicians, we're really good at spending money. Well, we're managing, not good at managing. Managing is a better word. Yeah. The, okay. There's a difference between being frugal and being smart with your money yeah. and just being wasteful. The government is clearly fucking wasteful. Where you are correct is that most retirees and most Americans do appreciate Social Security, do appreciate the entitlement programs that come with this country, whether it's Social Security, Medicaid, Medicare, no doubt. But that doesn't mean the government is good at spending money. We're seeing that Social Security is about to go bankrupt. No, the no, next the trust years. fund is going to be The trust solid. fund by 2023. And yes, I just had this conversation literally two days ago in D.C. where he kept using the word bankrupt, bankrupt, bankrupt. I said, what does that mean? Who kept using that word? This, this was Which a, Republican used It wasn't word. even a Republican. He was sort of a Social Security financial advisor expertise type of guy. But I said, what do you keep saying bankrupt? Is that meaning that retirees will not be receiving benefits? He goes, no, they'll probably be slashed by... 25%, you use 20. So we can, you know, cut the baby in half here. But are you, how familiar are you with the three-legged stool of retirement? Of course, yes. Okay, so it used to be you had three avenues to retire. You had pensions, which pays, do they even exist anymore for they, they, 90% they exist of people? They more as a defined contribution Correct. than, uh, than defined They're not benefit. very popular these days. I don't know Correct. how many people here have pensions. You have Social Security, which was never meant to be a retirement program. It was an insurance policy if you live too long, which basically Americans are now. Or you have your personal savings, which is the 401k. We can argue the merits of 401ks and Roth IRAs, what have you. But Social Security should not be keeping Americans afloat for 30 years of their life. Well, that's that's a failure of the private industry, isn't it? Why is it a failure of the private industry? Well, I mean, Social Security is maintained. Is it, the, the idea that we're leaning on the government uh, uh, um, um, stool because the other two have failed, that's a, that's a is function it, isn't of that a, private isn't, industry. Isn't that a function of just the average person understanding how money works and saving money, investing and doing it properly I don't versus know. the You've government got, or institution? 60% of, of, of the country lives paycheck to paycheck. How are they supposed to save this money? Well, how are they spending their money, I guess, is the biggest question. How many people have credit card debt? How many people? You just said when you took out a mortgage, you said, I'm an actor. What was the rate? You're like, I don't fucking even know. You should know. Well, I was making so much money that I don't give a shit how much money you're making, Sam. You should know what your mortgage rate is. But, you know, I mean, I I didn't remember what it was in 1998, but I mean, I I know what it is now. But I mean, um, but I was making so much money, but I was making, I, I, I was in the top. I don't know. I don't know if I was in the top 1% at that time, but probably pretty close. So let me ask you a question. And I, ha- I was a single guy who had just gone from making, you know, uh, to $22,000 a year to all of a sudden making that How much were you making a week. at that point? I mean, I was making a lot of money. Now, how comfortable at that point would you have been uh, paying 90% taxes? Sure. So you actually want to pay 90% I mean, in taxes? No, no, no. Let's Why be, would let's you be want clear. That? I think it should be 90%. Over th- for the for the every dollar you make over three million. Yeah, that would not have been that would not have impacted me at that time. So, but if- I would have been happy to pay more taxes. <laughs> <laughs> but wh- why would anyone? Want to- <laughs> you know why I'm laughing? Because it's always uh, it's always uh, uh, let's tax the people a little richer than yeah. me. It's always let's tax well, it was, the guys it was that are a lot I'll- richer. But but but, but, I, but, but I'm just no, going not back. That, not no, that. I'm if, just, if you're saying 20, I'm just going back. If you're saying what, twenty-two what, a week, you were I'm making a million and ninety-eight. That's a lot of money. No, no, no. Well, it wasn't twenty. You said twenty-two a week. That's a million a year. No, no, no. That was the year before. I mean, I, 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 but you're making money. Let's just. I was making a yeah. bunch of money. So, but, so, 
But, so, but so I'm just going back to when we had the Great Compression, which was when we had the least wealth inequality in yeah. this country. Mm-hmm. We had the same. The GDP was, you know, consistent with where, you know, on our trajectory. But it was spread out. It wasn't like this, essentially. Rob, it was. It was going. It was more spread out. It's called the Great Compression. And I'm just using that figure. I mean, look, if it's going to be. 85% over 3 million or 85% over 4 million. I'm just basing it on what was the most successful economic why not do, era why not do, of this country. Why not do 90% over $250,000? I mean, if, 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 if the numbers bared out, I, I'm, I'm agnostic as that. Again, I'm just pegging it on when we had the most success right. in this country in terms of our economy. I, I appreciate that you're pointing out the success, but... I, I, Right now, the top marginal tax rate federally is 37, 39. Okay, you do realize how shocking it is to say, all right, rather than go from 37 to 39, yeah, how about 40? Yeah, how many how people, about 50? How many you want to go to 90? How many people do you assume? How many people do you assume would be touched by that tax, would be implicated? Top by 1%. I Look at this number right here. Share Le- of total income less. taxes paid. Less. The top 1% in this country pay 42.3%. The bottom 50% only pay 2.3%. So 150 million people are paying nothing in taxes. Right. And you want to keep the 1% paying more and more and I think more it's actually more? even less than 1%, to be honest with you. I think we're talking yeah. about 0.05%. Point. Sure, but let's tax them even more. Oh, oh, I specifically want to make it illegal to be almost as wealthy as you. Not quite, but 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 a little bit more. Like I want to make it not not illegal. You're not going to go to jail. So nobody okay. can be a bil- no no billionaires. No billionaires. no billionaires in America. Absolutely. Sam, that's- 100%. <laughs> Why? Why don't you want America to be known an- for greatness, for innovation, for capitalism, for I want, I, for I, all I, the amazing de- things that we've done in this country? My definition of You want to go to like Nordic my, socialism. My <laughs> My definition of greatness yeah. is different from yours.